Mister, put the cartoon back on. I'm sorry, boys. We don't allow children in this class. What about Lisa? She's only eight. <gasps> Lisa, did you lie to us? I just wanted to belong. For once, I felt I was with intellectual equals. I can't believe I cheated off an eight-year-old. I guess we won't be biking through Italy. <laughs> She's worse than that 80-year-old who pretended to be a freshman. I just wanted a place to sit down. Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review episode DABF15. It is the 20th episode of the 13th season. I really enjoyed this one. It's Little Girl on the Big Ten. I'm Dando. I'm Guy, and I also enjoyed it. Maybe not as much as Dando, but I was pleasantly surprised by uh, a few of the laughs that I got out of it, including, I won't say the return of an old favourite, but uh, I... As I pointed out uh, when we've been talking about season 13, there'll be an odd moment in an episode where I'm like, oh, I really like that bit, and it's from this episode. And this had at least one of those. So uh, we'll we'll get to that when we get to that. But uh, yeah, Little Girl in the Big Ten, not unpleasing, shall we say. I mean, I found it a bit slight, I've got to say, a bit bit thin. In in what way? Uh, Story-wise, it didn't really seem to have a lot of sort of substance to it or weight to it. And that's fine. That's that's not necessarily a problem. But uh, by the time it was over, it's kind of like, oh, so that's the story. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, it happened. <laughs> so um, it. I don't know if it's going to have like a lingering impact or anything like that. But having said that, there were of course a um, a few really good gags in it. A fair bit to enjoy, but not necessarily a uh, a classic, shall we say? I just thought, to me, it just sort of had elements of older episodes of The Simpsons and that. It did feel very summer of four foot two. That's the one where Lisa goes and hangs out with the cool kids. To me, it had a very similar vibe to that, but the ending was different. So I expected when Milhouse called her out at the at the university, and the girls turn on her and say, "You know, she's worse than that old guy." I thought mm. by the end of it, they'd come around and say, "Hey, no, you can still hang out with us if you like to." Blah blah blah. But we never saw them again. I was just sort of thought, "Ah, oh, okay." That was an odd way to end that story because, re- really, I don't think they would be that angry about it, would they? I don't know. I mean, I think... How old are these girls meant to be? They're probably first-year uni, so 18 or 19. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. But still, I mean, and Lisa was obviously on their intellect level, so why does it matter? That's true. But you got to remember, at that age, and particularly with sort of uh, pretentious uni student types, because these were pretentious uni student times as opposed to, you know, people studying engineering or medicine. These guys were, like, going to poetry slams and... Uh, and all that kind of business, and studying, yeah. you know, Split, the, um, splitting a uh, splitting a, a scone three ways. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think if there was even any hint that someone ten years your junior was your intellectual and emotional level, you'd be kind of like, I don't want to be reminded of that. Get away from me, child. You know, come, <laughs> come back to me in ten years or something. So I can understand that, but you, you raise a really good point. I think maybe not the issue that I have with it, but some sense of my dissatisfaction comes from that there wasn't that kind of wrap-up. The episode did wrap up, in a way. I mean, Lisa sort of, I don't know, she, um, there was a resolution, but it didn't involve her two uni friends. Yeah, you're right, they didn't come back and say, hey, we'll see you in, we're probably going to do a master's and a PhD and all that kind of stuff. We'll see you at uni in 10 years, because you definitely belong here. That's a nice way to end it if they, if they chose to end it that way. But yeah, you're right. It does just kind of like, oh, no, go away, Lisa. We don't want anything to do with you. It did feel a bit, um, yeah, like an abrupt cutoff, but also kind of authentic. At least with the Bart story, what I liked about that was that he was using his ailment to the benefit of the right people. He was standing up for the nerds. He was getting the bullies and he mm. used it to help Lisa get back into the good favor with the other kids at school. I just thought Bart was a really good kid in this. He was put into the bubble because he got bitten by the mosquito, mm-hmm. but he used it. He used that situation in a real positive way. I thought Bart was really good in this. That was, although I do have to agree with Database. You know when he says, "Ah, once he's gone, they'll kill us." 
That's <laughs> I mean, so okay. Let's get to it. Hey, my favorite. My favorite moments from this episode. I really loved. Once he's gone, they're gonna kill us. I thought that was <laughs> fucking so funny. <laughs> and then for a, like a moment later, they're in their underwear hanging up on the fence. I thought that was a great. Oh, which looks really nasty. I'm gonna take the opposite point of view with this and say that I actually really liked. Um, well, not all the bullies, but I did like Kearney um, sort of explaining that, yeah, I know it's after lunch, but, you know, lunch money is just an expression. It's like kicking your butt. I'm not necessarily going to kick your butt, but you know, you know what I mean. It's like good good abstract thinking there, Kearney. Well, good, good, expl- <laughs> good explanation of, you know, the, uh, the rules and regulations of bullying. <laughs> I, I think I'm kind of partial to Kearney. I think he might be one of my guys. The one thing I don't understand is, and it, it makes sense if, they don't actually carry lunch money, but why would they carry lunch money when they had the school cafeteria? Maybe they have to pay for lunch at the school cafeteria. Don't they do that in America? Oh, is that what happens? You have to pay every day. Wouldn't you just not pay? I thought you just paid in advance because in the episode, the Trias of Horror episode, where they're discussing what meals the kids are going to have. So I thought you paid in advance and then it's set meals. You, you find out what the kids are having in advance. I honestly don't know, and uh, we might have to call upon some of our American, uh, American yeah, friends. Yeah, listeners, right in. SimpsonsMailbag at gmail.com. Let us know, how does the lunch situation work at elementary school? Yes. It might even be like, you know, when you go to the tuck shop at an Australian school and you've got a bit of money in your pocket to get yourself a, uh, a sausage roll or a Sunny Boy at, uh, at recess. Do you realise Sunny Boys don't exist anymore? Oh, no. Yeah, they, they, they deleted them like three or four years ago. Madness. I did think that was the case. There was a whole bunch of those kind of things. There were Sunny Boys and what else? Those those triangular... Glugs, or, glugs. Yeah, pyramid chunks of ice Yeah, they were so flavors. good. They were like Sunny Boys every summer. You, you, you couldn't go somewhere without having a Sunny Boy. Orange yeah. was my favourite flavour. My dad used to love the cola ones, which I thought were called, I think they were called glugs. Not too sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Sunny Boys were just shit. I loved them. They were so good. They're much better than the Super, super Duper's one and done. It's, it's, it's gone within a minute. You know, you had a Sunday boy, you were sitting on that thing for a good half an hour. That's true, but you did have to sort of be very careful about how you devoured it because it could just go everywhere, you know. It was very much a summertime sensation or a summertime memory, just having hands all sticky with uh, with Sunny Boy all over them. Yeah, exactly, right. And then oh. once, you got to the, once you got to the bottom, the flavouring or whatever, the syrup would have drained out of the ice. So you would just take the bit of the ice and throw it away and just drink the syrup straight from the oh, bottom yeah. of the container. Yeah, oh, so yeah, good. Pure uncut Sunny Boy at the bottom. Very, <laughs> very tasty. A couple of other things I enjoyed from this episode. A great mm. Dan line delivery where Lisa's talking about how Doogie Hauser went to college when he was a child. Against my wishes. Yes. <laughs> like, I didn't see that coming. It's like a it's like a sucker punch, but instead of like a sucker tickle. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh that, that was actually really good, and a, and just but Dan delivered it so perfectly. <laughs> so I really enjoyed that. Um, but what I um, the moment that had always stuck with me, but I didn't realize yeah. from this episode is when Homer is grooving to tub thumping by Chumbawamba, oh, yes. and you know coming up with his own lyrics as he's wont to do. You know he he messed with smoke on the water when he was getting stoned a few episodes ago, and. When he drinks a vodka drink and a and a chocolate drink, I believe instead of a lager drink, and when I need to pee, I use the kitchen sink, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I'm pretty sure I have uh, I have used in conversation or just to crack up friends at some stage during um, in the years since this episode has gone. I really love that bit. I thought it was much funnier than the REM one. Remember we changed the words to the REM song when they were in his garage. Oh, that's right. Yeah, in uh, the the Mo episode where Mo. What was that called? That one where Mo changes his bar? Not Homer to the Mo. Homer the Mo. I think it's Homer the Homer the Mo. I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked that as well. I thought it was great. That's one of the more memorable moments from this. I also just really liked. He wasn't an old man and trying to be a freshman. I just wanted a place to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> but he is dressed very early 2000s. He's wearing like a hyper color t shirt or something. Or mm-hmm. Mole Man's got a very distinctive early 2000s look in that in that moment. <laughs> I also really enjoyed Homer's trying to get Bart out of the tree because he tried to throw him over the house. So he got stuck in the tree. <laughs> then he's using the frisbee to get him out. Frisbee gets stuck. Marge, where's my pallet gun? It's stuck in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> I, that got me. I thought, that's great. That's very well written. Good stuff. Yeah. Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right, trivia for little girl in the Big Ten. I'm going to kick off, Mr. Davis. Go right ahead. 
What does the slogan say on the front of the Chinese sweatshop? <laughs> it says, force your daughter to work day. So I believe that is your first question. <laughs> it, it is not. Uh, but I was going to point out, look, there's a lot of cheap gags in this episode. <laughs> you reckon? I thought after the first five minutes or so, it was, there wasn't anything offensive at all. Uh, not necessarily. I was yeah trying to be very careful with my phrasing because I thought they weren't lazy or even offensive, but just kind of cheap. Um, there's one, there's a few in there, but yeah, when Force Your Dirt to Work Day came up, I must admit I did laugh at it. I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> um, and speaking of which, then um, of cheap gags, Liberace is attending a party where I don't even remember that being discussed. Where a uh, party at Roddy McDowell's tonight. It's a, it's the Liberace toy in the nostalgia meal. Ah, oh, fuck! I don't remember. Okay, I. I was. I remember when he put that out. I wasn't even fucking paying attention. Okay, well done, well played. So my next question is: What does Lisa notice at the university when she first arrives that differentiates it from elementary school? Oh, it's got kiosks. Yep. Uh, people on the lawn or study groups on the lawn. Outdoor study groups. That's the one. Outdoor yep. study groups. Yeah. Is there anything else? Well, that's the only two that I had anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because um, when I saw that scene, I was like, yeah, that's pretty what I, pretty much what I imagined uni to be like. Like um, a big, not a podium in the, in the centre of things, but, you know, something with a whole lot of notice, like a big notice board, like a, but with stuff all over it, like bad practice to know, or, you know, band needs lead singer, or textbooks for sale, or something along those lines. And everyone sort of put up their little notices all over it. Like, oh, man... There's so much going on. Oh, so many things to do. So many, you know, secondhand books to buy, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember going up, um, this girl that I had a sort of a crush on in my last year at school was attending Melbourne Uni and I was at Deakin Uni uh, down in Geelong. And I remember going up to uh, pay her a visit at Melbourne Uni and it was very much like this. There was It was a nice summer day. It was a big, like, grassy area. There were people, like, sitting on blankets, just sitting around. Pretty sure someone was playing guitar. And I'm like, oh, man, uni. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that, uh, my, my heart was very much with, uh, with Lisa in that regard. Okay, my next question to you, Dando. What is the name of the high school gym coach? The high school gym coach? Not the one that they, not Lugash. Not Lugash. It's only mentioned once by Skinner. Ooh, no, you've, you've stumped me again. <laughs> Her name is Brunella. Brunella. When does he mention that? He does mention at the very start something like, oh, Brunella, we can't fail Lisa or something. <laughs> you know, she's the only one who's keeping the school accredited. Oh, okay. I thought you said the university. No, no. The whole- I thought you said, the, okay, the school. Okay, I thought you said the university. That's why I was, I'm like, when did that happen? Okay, uh, I'm a surgeon. Uh, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. I, 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 st- I still wouldn't have got the answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my final, my final question is, what was the episode code and the episode title of the Itchy and Scratchy cartoon? <laughs> I know you. I should have known you would ask this. And, of course, I paid no attention, so <laughs> hit me. <laughs> Tell me. It is DABF06. The episode is Butter Off Dead, and that is the same <laughs> episode code as the Bart Wants What It Wants from earlier in the season. Well, there you go. I'm going to hit you with one more question, if I may. Do it, please. From where did Poet Laureate Pinsky check out that book? What's the name of the library? Oh, it's like Abbotton or something. Atherton? It's very- Abbotton? Oh, you may have just said it. Atherton? Atherton! Yay, I got one! <laughs> All right, you. See another building! <laughs> <laughs> I must say, I thought, I thought Robert Pinsky's performance was really good. I think he might have been the MVP of this episode. I think it was a really good performance. I honestly yeah. thought... I mean, I think I'd heard of Pinsky prior to this, but uh, not really, didn't really know much about him. I thought, not that they'd made him up, but maybe they had got someone to voice him. Because this was, this was a really sort of lively and funny performance. I mean, he had great comic timing. Yeah, this actually was voiced by Robert Pinsky. And I read a story where he came in to record it, and it was on September 10th, and then September 11th happened the next day. And as a result, all flights were grounded. So he was stranded at the Simpsons Studios for like four days, but he said he had like the time of his life. Oh, that's great. <laughs> he went to another table read and everything. Yeah, he had a great time. No, he's he's really, really good in this. I mean, 
I don't think he's I don't think he's afraid to sort of take a, the piss out of himself and the sort of pretentiousness of poetry readings and all that kind of business and the slightly kind of not sleazy but um, I mean I went to a few sort of book readings and poetry readings and things like that and you'll find some authors or poets who are you know very much like oh, so you like the poetry huh uh, let's hang out and you know maybe have a glass of wine but not they didn't <laughs> do this to me they did probably did this to girls that I was trying to pick up and I'm like hey poet. Stay in your lane. But uh, anyway. I enjoyed the... Did she put it for the pizza? Yeah, that's the thing. They're always cheapskates as well. It's fantastic. So the original air date of Little Girl on the Big Ten was May 12th in 2002. It was directed by Lauren McMullen, uh, written by John Vitti. There was no chalk gag, but the couch gag was the one they've already used before mm. with the squeaky voice team getting someone on the couch and the Simpsons family interrupted him. Indeed. Were they very uh, appealing partner, it seems. I mean, squeaky, mm, yeah. squeaky voice saying, I'm sure I said this the last time I saw this, but yeah, punching above his weight. Kicks off with the second grade gymnastics. Millhouse is holding everybody up. And then we get Lisa failing on the springboard. She's just never been good at sport, has she? Because we've just done for patrons our review of Lisa on ice. And I mean, she gets good in that episode by the end of it. But she's she was failing Jim in that episode. So they sort of kept that recurring gag going that she's... Very good academically, but when it comes to sport, not great. But that that said, when she puts her mind to it or puts in the hours, she's actually quite good. I mean, she became yeah. a very good goalie in Lisa and Ice, and by the by the end of the Lugash method, um, she's quite capable on the uh, on the what do you call it? The parallel bars, the the pommel horse, the gymnastic shit. <laughs> yeah, that 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 the beam. They call it the beam. Yeah, the beam. That's right. Yeah, yes. beam. So, mm, so it's, it's very intimidating. If you can conquer the beam, you can conquer anything. That's <laughs> true. My ex-wife was a uh, studied uh, gymnastics when she was young, or, or trained as a gymnast when she was young, and she, she said, "I mean, she enjoyed it a lot." But she said, "Oh man, hard work and kind of terrifying." I can imagine. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do it at all. I mean, I can't do it. I can't even do a four somersault. <laughs> oh yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm always, you know. I've got my. I'm on the edge of my seat whenever I watch gymnastics, which I don't do all that often, because you know, someone doing like some massive uh, twist turn or a gig, you know, and a huge somersault or whatever. I'm just thinking, oh, if they land awkwardly, imagine if they just like snapped a femur or a tibula, or and it's it's happened. There's it's, it's videos on YouTube of it happening. It's terrible. Oh yeah, no, I'm never going to watch them. Never ever. Or you know, just an an uh, ankle going at ninety degrees or something like that. Ooh, <laughs> I don't want to think about it. No. Yeah. Let's not think about it. Let's instead move on. <laughs> Skinner says you can't fail Lisa because she's the only thing keeping us going, basically. Uh, so, so they suggest that she, uh, she gets a private coach and this is where she goes to Lugash's gym. I remember Lugash. I, I thought he was much later in the series. Mm. I've never been a huge fan of him. But by the end of it here, I didn't mind him. Now, he was pretty annoying at the, at the start. But by the end, when he's giving out the cats and stuff, he was all right. So he's abusing the girl, <laughs> makes her jump out the window and everything. And then now there's an opening, <laughs> which oh, was a pretty good line, actually. By the way, yeah. I mean, so let's let's not focus too much on gymnastics, but it is interesting. I mean, I think in recent times, certainly, there's been a bit of a backlash against the really full-on training that uh, that young gymnasts, particularly young female gymnasts, have to go through. Uh, of course, there have been reports of you know terrible behaviour by uh, by coaches and people in authority in that regard, but. Yeah, you're getting a lot of gymnasts coming uh, either you know, past and present who are coming forward saying, yeah, they're being a bit harsh on us. And I'm, I'm kind of torn about that. Part, part of me is saying, well, you know, you've got to pay the cost to be the boss. But at the same time, eh, do you really want to be put through that much for this result? So, I don't know. <laughs> Once again, I'm sitting on the fence here, folks, not really giving you... <laughs> much of a concrete opinion either way but I do find it interesting that uh, after years of like society generally tolerating whip cracking coaches like like Lugash here there's a little bit of pushback of like eh, I don't know do we need slave drivers is a gold medal really worth it and then you're going to find some athletes are saying yeah gold medal is worth it push me harder coach and interesting I find it interesting anyway but Lisa says who wants to wear leotards and get screamed at and Homer's reaction Hookers and Spider-Man. <laughs> Lisa says, nope, she's not going to do it. She trips over the ball. And then she has that vision of JFK. <laughs> I'm, always a sucker for, I'm always a sucker for the New England sort of east, eastern seaboard accent, uh, whether it's, you know, sad Frenchie, sad charter, <laughs> or uh, 
<laughs> I don't know. I just really liked JFK's accent here. You must train your body with vigor. I just like when Lisa wake up. Ich bin ein gymnast. Oh, she must yeah. have had that dream about Hitler again. <laughs> <laughs> Barney Grandpa then at Krusty Burger. And I thought this here was a great concept. The nostalgia meal. Mm. If Maccas did a nostalgia meal, I think a lot of people would go back and get a happy meal. If it was like, you know, you get the a toy from the 80s or a toy from the 70s or whatever, like a little replica Kenner Star Wars figure or something. I think people would be all over that shit. I imagine you would have a legion of comic book guy types uh, just rushing the latest, uh, r- rushing the nearest Maccas, saying, one nostalgia meal, please. Oh, by the way, do you have any, <laughs> do you have a one with a daredevil toy where he's wearing his original yellow costume? <laughs> Something I already I already have the several others. I need that one. <laughs> I repeat, only that one. Holy shit, that's a really good comic book. Comic book guy you're doing, that's damn it. <laughs> Bart then finds the mosquito in his toy. We get the cut to the Chinese sweatshop. Uh, uh, crusty here. Laziness is counter-revolutionary. Questions are decadent. <laughs> yeah. Fast hands a- mean less whipping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that very sort of... I don't know if it's meant to be Mousy Tung or whatever, but the Im- that very red China image of Krusty on the wall is- was great. It was a very good visual. The mosquito bites Bart, and he has to be taken to hospital as a result. <laughs> I like Grandpa. If you scratch it, you get a wish. Yes. <laughs> oh, God. I, I thought that the, the story of Bart in this episode just felt very relevant in 2021. Don't you think? Having to be isolated from everybody. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The more, the more it went along, it was like, oh, bubble? Oh, you know, disease from China. <laughs> <laughs> We're now at Lou Gash's training. Lisa has a fear of snakes, but he, uh, he rewards her with giving her her cat back, which was the exact same gag from the episode we just did for Patreon, Lisa and Nice, where Homer gives Bart back his turtle alive and well. <laughs> okay, yes, we're, we're playing the hits. We then get uh, a reference to Lisa's big head, gives her perfect balance. So yeah, like you said, Lisa's really good at gymnastics now. She then realizes the girls in her class, they're all awesome. They all like... You can tell they're smarter than the average eight-year-old. That's because they are older than uh, than eight. They're actually in, in university. You girls were all great. Cat's back for everyone. I had a dog. He's cat now. Ralph arrives, says, uh, Lisa says, you know, she's a teacher's aide in a special needs class. Then Ralph says, why do people run for me? Wets his pants. Mm-hmm. Funny, right? But I've got here, this scene is actually really sad because it points out that Ralph is actually aware that nobody mm. likes him. And it clearly gets him down. I don't know if he's aware of it in the sense like, I, it'd be different if he said, oh, another person ran away from me. It's like, I think he's curious about, why are people running away from me? That's that's how I choose to, chose to view I it. Think, I mean, maybe I, I was, it was trying just to... The, I think it was just the delivery from Nancy where she goes, why do people run from me? As if to yeah, say, I wish they wouldn't. And in all honesty, I could do without the pee stains. I think that was just, Ralph has done some stuff that could be viewed as undignified or taking away his dignity, but I don't think the show has ever taken away his dignity, if you know what I mean. I think the show has always had some affection for him. Uh, and this and this was kind of like, eh, no, let's just have Ralph piss his pants for, for the sake of a side gag, for a very quick side gag. I, it did not sit well with me, Dan, though, I must say. Well, the thing is, though, kids wet their pants sometimes without their control, and it's like that, they, you, that you, is true. They, just, and just like one of those kids watch this episode, I think it would actually make them feel bad. I know there's going to be listeners out there saying, "Oh, fucking boohoo!" Coming from someone <laughs> who pissed the bed until I was twelve years old, it was it's it still affected me to this day. You know, it, it really affected my ability to be able to go hang out with my friends. I wouldn't hmm. want to go to sleepovers. I didn't want to go to school camps because I just had that fear that my friends would know that I pissed the bed. Only about two or three of my friends knew that I did it. So I used to have to have the um. Like the, there was like piss mats so you just have to go under my sheets in case they wet the bed or whatever but I just thought this pointing out that he had wet his pants and making that the, the, the gag here it, it just didn't need it it was just yeah it, it wasn't it, didn't it wasn't it was just a, it, was a, it was a sad moment for me I just thought it he was, was um, he was not treated very well and uh, very yeah. respectfully but in, in moments like this we must remember the sage words of one William Madison you ain't cool unless you pee your pants. Well, if peeing your pants is cool, then call me Miles, Miles Davis. Davis. <laughs> it's 
It is one of the sweetest moments in 90s comedy, as far as I'm concerned. Billy oh, Madison, 100%, yeah. Billy taking the hit for his buddy by pissing his own... Pa- I don't know if he actually does pee his pants. No, no, just he, he goes up to a tap and puts water on there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but just strutting around like, you ain't cool unless you pee your pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can- and then they're like, hey, look, man, Ernie peed his pants too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that, that that I mean, a lot of people give Adam Sandler shit. I love Adam Sandler. He just seems like an absolute dude. You know, I, I feel like that is something that Adam Sandler oh, would yeah. actually do in real life. Oh yeah, what a what a lord! So as far as I'm concerned, you look back over his career, and honestly, he has played everything so well. He's got a handful of comedies that are just bona fide classics that people just love. Happy Gilmore, He's- Billy Madison, Waterboy, that kind of thing. Wedding singer, yeah, yeah. Wedding singer, yes, yeah. Yeah, he's got a handful of performances where people go, oh my God, this guy is actually genuinely talented. I mean, I was just thinking about Uncut Gems today. It's like, holy shit, that's a good movie. I'm going to have to rewatch that. Uncut Gems, fantastic. Um, even when he makes movies that aren't that great, it's usually just him getting together a bunch of friends and more increasingly his family, because I think at least one of his daughters was in Hubie Halloween, and just seemingly having an absolute blast. I don't think guys like Steve Buscemi would, would hang out and and John Turturro would be in more than one Adam Sandler movie if he wasn't a cool dude. So, 100%, um, yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. he gets them a payday and he makes yeah. a lot of fucking money for the for the film uh, the, the production company because people love his movies. Absolutely they do, yeah. So, yeah, props to Sandler, not just for peeing his pants, but for, you know, being the Sandman. Props. Come up for a commercial and they're driving in the car, the, with the, or at least driving in the car with the college students, Bit of all-star playing there. Now, that's nostalgia. <laughs> oh, very much. <laughs> the one-two punch of driving around with the top down to all-star and then um, yeah, pulling up and hearing tub thumping. It's like, can you get more late? Well, to quote a very 90s icon, could you get more 90s? Um, <laughs> or, or early 2000s, as the case may be. <laughs> as a college student and they don't have a blues clue <laughs> whoops gotta age it up huh. life sucks totally yeah. so what dorm do you live in actually i'm off campus i um share a house with a couple of girls a couple of guys guys huh are they cute we're all bart's kind of no I get knocked down. I get knocked down again. You're never gonna knock me down. Whoa, party house. Hey, where's my keg? Mm, mom's not gonna like that. Where's mom? Uh, that's what we call the gay guy who lives with us. Hey, you doing anything tomorrow night? Robert Pinsky's reading at Cafe Kafka. <gasps> Robert Pinsky, the former poet laureate? It's gonna be great. The three of us could split a scone. Non-dairy. Duh. Duh. I take a whiskey drink, I take a chocolate drink, and when I have to pee, I use the kitchen sink. I sing the song that reminds me I'm a urinating guy. What a song, though. I remember when it first came out, I, I remember liking it, but because it was number one or whatever for like so long, I got sick of it. I was like, that I want something different. Yeah, I mean, I think there should be a moratorium. No song should be at... Well, do they still have the... <laughs> do they still have the top 10 or the top I 40? I don't know. I think they have the iTunes downloads <laughs> or whatever now. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, which I don't pay attention to. But <laughs> but no song should be at the number one spot for more than a month. I think after that, you kind of have to... You have to retire the crown. Unless you wrote the song. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the girls then say they're going to see Robert Pinsky... He's reading at the Cafe Kafka. They're going to split a non-dairy scone. Scone, scone, however you want to say it. I say scone. Nicholas says scone. And Homer then says that he finished off tub thumping when I have to pee. I use the kitchen sink, which is just an absolute classic. (laughs) Went out of the hospital. You sure you haven't been to China? There's no shame in it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Put chalk it up to lines you probably couldn't say these days or, you know, that would get cut out because, like... Does The Simpsons play in China? I'm sure it would, wouldn't it? Well, they don't like Western media. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, they like some Western media. I think they're only allowed to release a certain number. When it comes to movies, at least, they're allowed to release a certain amount of Western or foreign films per year. 
and you know everybody wants that sweet Chinese cash. So well, I, know, I know they had Fast and Furious this year because John Cena got in trouble for saying Taiwan was a country or something. Yeah, he didn't recognise China's supposed sovereignty over Taiwan. And yeah. um, yes, someone higher up said, uh, John, brush up on your Cantonese or your man- Cantonese or Mandarin. I think it might have been Cantonese. Um, and yeah, apologise to these guys because ka-ching. So Marge says, I don't know what's wrong with him. You know, I had him dipped for, for mange. Then it's just revealed that he's got the panda virus. <laughs> but, you know, I think something was wrong when he didn't want the ice cream. I did want ice cream. Yeah, well, your father ate it all. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be infectious for the next week. And you have to live in this plastic bubble. A take on the boy in the plastic bubble. Not just a straight to television movie from the 1970s. It was an actual boy who unfortunately passed away at the age of, I believe, 13. I understand so, yes. Plus, when did this episode air, Dan? This is what, like 2002 or something? 2002, yes. 2002. I think a year earlier, there'd been a very yes. early Jake Gyllenhaal movie called Bubble Boy. In Bubble Boy, he... yes, which was just a remake of the original film, yeah. Not really. I think it was sort of playing it more for comedy more than anything else. I mean, the, oh, the okay, one, yeah. the, the TV movie with Travolta back in the 70s was actually about, I can't go outside, I'm going to get sick. Hang on, that was... <laughs> Oh, I can't go outside. Jesus, I'm gonna get sick. Jesus. Oh, oh, gonna get sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just cracking myself up with my pissy Travolta impersonation. Sorry, guys. Um, let, let, let's let's not make we're not making fun of the boy in the plastic bubble. The real boy. absolutely not. No, we're making fun of John Travolta, who should be poked fun at at all times because uh, he can take it. Absolute gentleman, by the way. Absolute gentleman. Oh, we're big fans of Travolta. I'm, I'm, I met the man once. Yeah, yeah. So I've, I've told the story on the podcast when he, well, I, I took my mum to meet him in Melbourne. And because my mum like idolises John Travolta. It's literally her favourite person in the world. I feel like she could have dinner with me or John Travolta. She's taken John Travolta. She, like, she just loves John Travolta. <laughs> and she, uh, so I, we're in line to do a meet and greet before he did a Q&A. And I went first because I wanted to say to him, hey, please make an effort for my mum. So I went first, got my photo, blah, blah, blah. And as I was getting sort of ushered through, I said, oh, John, this next person's my mum. She's like an absolute angel and she loves you. Her name is Marsha. And he's like, okay, cool. And as I'm walking off, I hear him go, Marsha, great to see you. And I turn around and he's put his arms out wide and my mum's just like, oh my God, you said my name. And my mum's just like crying the entire time. And every person got like, you know, five seconds or so with John just to get a photo and whatever. He stood with her for about 30 seconds. And she's oh. like, she's like crying and she's shaking. And he's just like asking her how she is. And he's, she's like, oh my God, thank you so much. And she got the photo. And then he goes, she goes to walk off to me and he grabs her once again by the hand, spins her around and gives her one more big cuddle and like looks at me over her shoulder and gives me a wink. And I was like, you fucking champion. JT, what a boss. <laughs> oh, what an absolute legend. Like he literally just like made my mum's year, you know, it's just, she was so, it took her like half an hour to calm down. It was oh. incredible. But I was- His- I was glad I was able to make that happen for my mum, you know? I was about to say, Dando, here's the thing. Did John Travolta make your mum's ear? Or did Brendan Dando make his mum's (laughs) ear? But yeah, just for the sake, the the fact that he didn't have to do that, you know, I just asked him Mm. and he was just like, yep, cool. And yeah, he was just, it couldn't have been any nicer. What an absolute legend, John Travolta. I will not have anyone ever besmirch the name of John Travolta. (laughs) Absolutely not. Leave John Travolta alone. (laughs) But the yes, Bart's gonna have to live in the bubble, as we pointed out. Um, the wind, bl- the wind blows Bart down the street. Everyone's laughing at, at, at Bart. I love the fact that Nelson says "ha ha," then runs down the street and says it again, <laughs> just completely out of breath. <laughs> yeah, Lisa arrives at Springfield U, and did you know she still got the happy tree elf on her bag? I thought she was going to get caught out straight away mm. with with that. I thought that was going to be the thing that gave it away, but it wasn't. Uh, the chaos, you know, she talks, mentioned about the chaos and the outdoor study groups. The girls think Lisa, she's just a real free spirit. And they're like, oh, she, she'd have to be. That house had a real Manson family vibe. <laughs> <laughs> then we're at home. And Homer is, uh, oh no, the, the, the soup is steaming up Bart's bubble. So he starts slurping the soup because he can't be told. My bubble, my rules. Homer then says, that's it, you're having your bath. <laughs> Fills off the, uh, the, the bubble with water, chucks it down the hall. And that's parenting. I'm going to Moe's. <laughs> it's a ni- nice visual gag and a very nice uh, little little cap on the line with that. Now, that's parenting. Going to Moe's. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought there was a lot of good visual humor with Bart in the bubble. They did a really good job with that story, I thought. They did, yeah. Well, that, f- that first introduction where he's just sort of rolling down the street and, it, ah, uh, yeah, funny. 
Liked it. Mm-hmm. Went out at Cafe Kafka. And the guy's testing the mic. Did you hear that? <laughs> April is the cruelest month. The, the month. cruelest, cruelest month. month. <laughs> yeah. A line from um, the T.S. Eliot poem, The Wasteland. But uh, I, I did appreciate the whole riff on the whole one, two, one, 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 two. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, doing it with a bit of poetry. So, um, yeah, that, that was funny. I appreciated that. I just thought this whole scene was really fun. I thought Robert Pisky was great. I just, yeah, I really liked Lisa's beret as well. Just, it, it's a slight design change, but it legitimately makes it look older. It does, doesn't it? I don't know if it's generally the case when you first start attending uni or whatever, but I think a lot of people view it as a chance to, particularly if they were a bit nerdy in high school or hadn't quite found their groove or whatever, it's like, okay, new location, bunch of new people, I'm going to be studying stuff that I'm pretty confident that I know about or that I'm keen to know about. So, you know, you go on board and you, you think, oh, give myself a little bit of a makeover. Invariably, it may involve headwear. <laughs> um, I won't say I wore a beret when I was a, when I was uh, studying at uni, but I'm pretty sure I wore like a, a fedora at some stage. And this was before the great fedora resurgence of the 21st century. This was like in the, um, in the 90s. <laughs> you, could ro- you could rock a hat though. I've never seen you wear a headwear that didn't suit you. Oh, thanks, man. Um, that's right. Well, I mean, I, I do have a selection of um, of things to cover my bald scone or scone. Um, yeah, including a nice fedora. I'm a, I'm a big fan of hats. Homer then goes to say goodbye to the kids. Bart's in the bubble. Lisa's not there. Maggie's fighting a raccoon. Uh, cherish these <laughs> moments, Homer. I did like that moment because I sometimes think that when I'm putting Alec to bed and I'm just like seeing Rocket by a baby or whatever, it's like, this kid is growing so fast. You really do need to stop and just cherish every moment you have because eventually he's going to be too big to cut to, to hold or it'd be too old to want to be cuddled to bed and stuff it's just yeah. enjoy these sometimes it's it's a hard slog at bedtime to get him to go to bed but it's like just appreciate this appreciate yes. that you have the ability to ha- a have a son and to you know, put him to bed and he's happy and healthy like just Sometimes parenting's hard, but you've got to really appreciate the little moments like that. And I really I really liked that moment. But I also did like the the silhouette of the fight happening as he's saying that. So the raccoon <laughs> and Maggie are like at arms uh, fighting in the background. This exact gag was used in Incredibles 2 with Jack-Jack fighting a raccoon. Oh, yeah. Ah, Incredibles 2. I need to revisit that. That was actually really good. Elliot loves it. Yeah, he loves it. Jack-Jack's his favourite, of course. Of course. <laughs> yes. We then get Pinsky telling the Oval Office story. He really gets into it, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm walking by the Oval Office, and I hear the president. Pinsky, where's my poem? Well, I thought it wasn't due till Tuesday. So I make one up. I am just pulling stuff out of my ass. And when I'm done, the president says, Pinsky, you've done it again. Catching. Oh, my God, my social studies project is due tomorrow morning. Did she put in for the pizza? I can't get enough of this performance. I think it's really good by Mr. Pinsky. Just, <laughs> he's he's really going for it. And, you know, sometimes when you say that with guest stars, it's like they've got more enthusiasm than talent. <laughs> but, I don't know, Pinsky's a legitimately good voice actor, I think. Well, it just kind of feels like they, he's just being Robert Pinsky. Yeah. He's not, they're not, they're not, they haven't written Robert Pinsky to play a comedic version of himself. I mean, he is funny in this, but it's almost like just a, an amplified version of himself as opposed to a silly version of himself. I reckon, yeah. But yeah, Lisa realises that she's got a school project due in the morning, so she bails and she pay for the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa then thinks that uh, she's used too much glue and we get the cow saying, you edit my meat, but you'll glue with my feet. <laughs> she's, she's now asleep at school, face plants in her project, but yeah, still the best thing in this class, so she gets an A minus, and at least she's sort of proud of herself and a master of the double life. Mm. And then what does Ralph say? Oh, you look like my mum after she drinks wine or something yeah. like that. Yeah, something like that. But uh, what did did he did he build like a castle out of sugar cubes or something, and he was just eating them? Didn't pay attention. Maybe it sounds like something Ralph would do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bart then rescues Wendell from the bullies, bounces off the wall, and gets him. How fun did it look to have a like if I had a bubble like that, man? I would totally do this kind of stuff. It'd be great. It looked great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was very dexterous with the uh, with the bubble, doing some great stuff. He sprays the mud at them. He's you know, squ- uh, what would you say? Does sprays? What's the splashes? Mud. Oh, splashes. Mud splashes. Yeah. Yes. But the database. Oh, once he's gone, they're going to kill us. <laughs> <laughs> I love Database. He's probably one of my, he would be one of my favourite 
uh, younger characters or little characters. Yeah, he's, he's really good. Lisa then gets changed to the Pink Panther music. Great score. I love that music. It's just... Oh, it's it, fantastic, isn't it? Whenever you want to sneak around, that's that's the best music. <laughs> Milhouse then sees her getting changed. She's like, what the hell's going on here? Milhouse and Database and Martin also they're going to go spy on her, but he's going to get him off the fence first and bite these pencils. Ah, this is the life we chose. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. It's the life we chose. Um, I honestly thought then when Milhouse was yanking down on them, he was going to do it to a point where he let go and they would go, Bow, and, <laughs> and sort of fly off. But no, just a rip. Yeah, not fun at all. Oh, it's, I, I have recently finished reading Seth Rogen's book of essays called Yearbook. Um, mm-hmm. Not bad, not unfunny, but he, um, he does mention... Uh, some childhood or teenage bullying techniques, some of which I were aware of, and most of them are sort of underwear related. But there was one that I hadn't heard of called the windmill, whereby you yank someone's underpants up at the back, exposing like the little sort of T-bar. You stick a broomstick uh, between the butt cheeks and the underpants, and then you wind it up. <laughs> it's, it's extremely painful for the person wearing the underpants, I'm sure. Uh, until it reaches sort of like critical mass and then you let go and if science is working in your favour or physics is working in your favour, the broomstick will reverse spin like a windmill. Oh my. I know, right? I'd never heard what, of this. Why would you do these kind of things to people? Mm, I don't know. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were, you, were you a bully at school or were you bullied? Uh, I was probably bullied. Yeah, because I mean, I was yeah, sort of small, frail, and also mouthy. But you were Bobby Davis's son. When I say bullying, I mean not by sort of... I don't think I had any Nelsons or Kearneys in my sort of... Uh, in my circle or anything like that. What we had was a lot of teenage male testosterone on the rise, and that would manifest itself in a lot of sort of mock wrestling. Not even mock wrestling, but wrestling. And, you know, the occasional sort of dead arm or dead leg and all that kind of stuff. And everyone would get it. Uh, but because I was kind of a bit smaller, I, I could get flipped and thrown a bit easier. So, you know, when someone was sort of looking to, you know, show off their machismo, I'd be like, I'm grabbing this little guy and throwing him down or whatever. And I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> but um, I don't think there was any real malice in it. I mean, I... So, I, so, so, so were, you, were you the shipwreck of the high school, were you? I don't know about... Oh, hmm, maybe. I have to revisit American Pie. Um, but I mean I I had friends and acquaintances who I'd known since I was very young and then you hit your teenage years and that's when you know that that shit really starts to happen and some copped it really really badly teased or tormented in various ways I don't think there was a lot of physical bullying if there was I didn't really see it any bullying that I had was more along the lines of roughhousing I don't think, you know, no one ever sort of punched me in the face or anything like along those lines. Well, Lisa can't see anybody at the university. They're all in Anthro 101, the passive analysis of visual iconography. This would be the Dando and Guy course. This is what we would teach. Yeah, so this was a take on courses about The Simpsons. This reminded me, though, of my class at high school, The Matrix and More, which I've mentioned before, where we literally just watched The Matrix films over and over again and did various essays on it for an entire nah. semester. Well, there's a lot in The Matrix. <laughs> yeah, a lot of bullshit you can just dribble out of that stuff for sure. <laughs> they follow, the nerds follow them in. I feel like Harry at the spy. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that part. Oh, that's great. They then watch uh, Butter Off Dead, which to me I thought was a really good Itchy Scratchy cartoon. I liked it. It's pretty imaginative. Scr- Scratch- Scratchy's death was very brutal. We got the I can't yeah. believe it's not Scratchy little visual gag there. Apparently, this was completely improvised by the uh, director. So she just sort of. They gave her a, a concept and she just ran with it. There wasn't much sort of structure to it. It was just, yep, go from this to this to this. She had the idea for the four different uh, digestion uh, parts. I thought oh, yeah. that was really funny. Yeah, I just thought it was a really good itchy scratchy cartoon. We don't get them that often anymore. So, yeah, when they do come through this good, it's always a, uh, a positive. Indeed. So what does this cartoon mean? It shows how the depletion of our natural resources has pitted our small farmers against each other. Yes. And birds go tweet. What else? I thought this lecturer was an absolute wanker. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of lecturers can be. Lisa, but Lisa takes the note, birds tweet. <laughs> <laughs> the nerds then interrupt and reveal Lisa. They take off the brain and that's when they realise she's only eight years old. The thing <laughs> is though, 
Millhouse here. What a tool. I was about to say, not cool, Millhouse. That's my exact note. Not cool, Millhouse. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Maybe, like, no, but John Vitti should know better. Like, he's watched for the show for years. He knows that Millhouse is infatuated with Lisa. Mm. So why would he rat her out? And then when she comes back to school, be the one to say, hey, it's too good for us now. It's like, but you are infatuated with her. Why are you be- behaving this way? Because crushes are complicated things, Dando. You know, it's... Uh, Love hurts. Yeah, well, you're true. Yeah, but then, and also, look, the most toxic extreme of this way of thinking is if I can't have you, no one can. So he's kind of like, oh, well, you're not going to be happy with me. Well, you're not going to be happy anywhere. You know, when yeah, okay, I, can, I, can, I can buy into that. Yeah, okay. It, it's, it's not cool um, in any circumstance, and certainly not cool from Millhouse in this circumstance. Lisa says, I guess we won't be biking through Italy. <laughs> that was that was my other uh, trivia question. <laughs> oh, okay. And you get the mole man moment, which they've, they've used this kind of thing before where mm. you, don't, you don't expect mole to be there, but it's just there to sort of give you a bit of bit of a laugh before the commercial break. We come back and Marge and Homer are absolutely berating Lisa. But look, did she actually do anything wrong? She got 16 credits. No, yeah. Doogie, Doogie Howser did the same thing against Homer's wishes, of course. <laughs> but she she she, exp- she explains that it was actually very stimulating. I, I like the line of it was a bustling market as a bustling marketplace of ideas. Of ideas. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean that, and that's what uni should be, particularly if you're sort of if you're studying you know humanities or arts or whatever. I mean, it's where you really go to learn how to. It's a, it's a bit of a cliche. So it's where you go to learn how to think. You learn to think a bit more abstractly and. You know, come up with reasoned arguments and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, you you are getting yeah ideas thrust at you all the time, not just from the uh, from the staff, but from your fellow students. It's where you are asked for an opinion rather than just an answer. Because when you're at school, you've got to have the right answer all the time. When you get to uni, it's like, what do you think about this? That's a terrific way of putting it, man. Fantastic. We get. Uh, yeah, so, so this this berating Lisa, and she explains how much it means to her. Marge is annoyed, though. What? This kitchen isn't? <laughs> I put those Cathy's on the fridge for you. I don't even like them. They've gotten so smutty. Oh, sure, when a man does it, it's smutty. But if a woman did it... Homer, Kathy is a woman. Oh, come on. You're right. <laughs> we then are at the school... And Lisa tries to hang out with the kids, but they're just too busy rolling down a hill. They don't want to hang out with her anymore. Millhouse berates her. Mm. Has, is that is that um, Ralph not saying anything and just sort of rolling down the hill? That's become a bit of a meme, hasn't it? I think. Yes. So me, me like trying to get achieve anything in life or whatever, and then it's just rolling down a hill. <laughs> so, yeah. But I like the fact that uh, Millhouse hangs shit on her. Jenny hangs shit on her. Ralph just looks at her, says nothing. Hmm. He's just there for rolling down the hill, man. He's not judging anybody. He's just there for a good time. Yeah. yeah. If you want to go have a uni friend, that's fine, Lisa. But if you want to come roll down this hill as well, fucking go for it. I don't care. Meanwhile, me, I'm going to roll down this hill because that's what I want to do. Then Nilhouse asks for the answer of a million plus a million. She gives him the answer. So <laughs> then we get Willie. Even Willie turns on her eventually. He's trying to cheer her up. But she points out she doesn't live in a shack. She lives in a house. And that's the end. He's, he's had enough as well. I think you've got a lot of people in this episode who are very sensitive about their either their position in life or their perceived position in their life. Their social status. Correct. Lisa then sees Homer trying to get Bart out of the tree. I just, I don't know why I liked it so much, but just the idea that he was trying to throw him over the roof. <laughs> just, <laughs> it just seemed like something Homer would do and Bart would be all for it because that sounds like a fucking lot of fun. Being thrown over it the does. roof. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure Homer has seen how sort of how bouncy the the bubble is, and you know, it's like, mm, let's let's take this to the limit, shall we? Let's push it to the limit, yeah. and uh, and see what happens. And if you can get it over the house, great. And I've definitely been in this situation before, where I've got one of my toys or something stuck in a tree, and I try to use another toy to get that toy out, and they both end up stuck in the tree. I've done that so many times. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he then wants to use the pallet gun. Can't find it. Ask Marge, where is it? It's stuck up the tree as well, which I thought was a really good gag. Then he gets. He falls down, shoots me in the ass. Not the good cheek. <laughs> Lisa then uses her gymnastic skills that she learnt from the opening act, which I go here. Oh, that's right. She did gymnastics. I completely forgot is- about it. <laughs> and she climbs up the tree. She discusses with Bart that you know, but Bart's more popular than ever. And then Lenny, yeah. <laughs> so I got here by the way. So we just did a Patreon exclusive review of the Saga of Carl from season twenty-four. 
or 24, yeah, 24. And mm-hmm. I've got here Lenny and Carl hanging out with each other. And this is to me why the saga of Carl doesn't work, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> because would two people who don't like each other be walking down the street? Exactly right. <laughs> Although I have walked with you before. You don't like me. Well, you don't mind me, but... Yeah. You like me. I'm I'm kind of ambivalent towards you, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but I did I I did like the two of them. Hey Bubble Bart, looking good. Hey, call me. Yeah. <laughs> Bart then points out the bird that's on fire, mistakes it for a sunset. So this was actually going to be a plane on fire, but because of September eleven they had to change oh. that for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Bart suggests that they do a prank on Skinner. She opens the door. Bart oh, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine it would it would reek in there though. It probably it probably doesn't oh. even like smell like farts. It just smells like stink. Yes. Well, I mean, under a cast is the worst. Oh, I remember when um, mates would have like a broken arm or, or something busted, and they'd have a cast on, and they'd just sort of occasionally put it under your nose, and you just get a bit of a whiff. Oh my god, it's terrible in there. It's yeah, it's the worst. It's so <laughs> gross. But so it's now Seymour Skinner Day honouring his twenty years as an interim principal. <laughs> I like the the wordplay here of um, plaque good. I thought you would appreciate that as well. I did. Agnes Agnes interrupts with the question. She gets escorted out. Martin from the Daily Fourth Gradient wants a photo. And since Bart is safely encapsulated, he agrees to pose next to the cake for the photo. Cue cue Bart pushing Lisa. Ralph sees her. Hey, look, it's Lisa. And she's winning us back. back. (laughs) The thing is, though, that shouldn't have been Ralph saying that line because Ralph never turned on Lisa. That's true. It probably should have been Millhouse. Fuck Millhouse. Fuck that guy, little dork. Millhouse <laughs> likes Vaseline on toast. <laughs> now, I must admit, this whole prank, and I'm on record as saying, eh, not a fan of practical jokes and elaborate pranks like this, but this one would be pretty fun to witness. It would be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure. And delicious, too, if you got sprayed with the cake. Oh, man, wouldn't that be something? That'd be so good. Well, it's like bathing in something. Like, just... Bathing in some sort of food, like chocolate, melted chocolate or whatever, like the Willy Wonka thing. Incredible. It'd be so good. I, th- I think it'd be good for approximately 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, it'd be like, eh, this is feeling kind of gross and it's getting yes. into places where it shouldn't be. Yeah. And, <laughs> okay. and then you've got to clean yourself off. And honestly, for a hairy gentleman like, like myself, I don't have much hair upstairs or any, but uh, yes, it's all migrated to the rest of my body. If I fell into a river of chocolate... I'd probably have to get waxed or shaved <laughs> or spend like well, a week under a shower. It looks like this month's uh, four-figure discount classic voted by the patrons is going to be Home of the Heretic. That's what it seems by the, the voting so far. <laughs> and there's, an ep- yeah. there's a scene in that episode where Homer spills some food on his chest and the dog licks it off. I'm visualizing <laughs> you with chocolate on your chest and uh, Count Basie walking up and just licking it and you're going, oh, no, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just visualizing you doing that. It's so amazing. <laughs> but what is the music playing over the Lisa moment here, Mr. Davis? It is Thus Spake Zarathustra from Richard Wagner, noted uh, composer and apparently a bit of an anti Semite as well. <laughs> but um, probably best known from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Da da! And also known mm. as the entrance theme to The Nature Boy Ric Flair. <laughs> oh! <laughs> I love that we've got our our different points of appreciation for uh, for Mr. Wagner. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's definitely known as the 2001 Space Odyssey music. But we get here, you know, Skinner gets covered in, in cake. Oh, I've been di- I've been taken down a peg, a whole peg. <laughs> but I like the way that Bart's proud of Lisa. Well done, Lisa. Yeah. And then he realizes that he doesn't actually like being out of the bubble. It's uh, yeah. He's, it's the, the real world isn't as nice as it used to be. So he hides out in the vent. We get the suck or blow, and it's the suck. It's a callback. I, I thought it was a nice way to end the episode. Everything somewhat gets wrapped up. The, the university story didn't really there, which I thought probably should have. But I'm happy to just Lisa's liked at school again, even though she was never really liked in the first place. Was she? Doesn't really. Yeah, I, I think know. I think people were generally neutral about Lisa. Yeah, she's just kind of there. She's more just like, oh, here we go, Lisa again. <laughs> And Bart is um Bart is out of his bubble. Also, they, they sort of tie the two stories together at the end there to make some sense. And Bart was a good brother to help his sister. Yeah, I just I, I thought this was a really nice, pleasant episode. I just not not, not a, by any means an absolute classic, but it was just a pleasant twenty-two minutes of television. Uh, look, the the fun times that we've had talking about it over the last uh, close to an hour or so, 
have made me realise, yes, this was indeed a fun episode. Got a few kicks out of it. One or two gags that didn't really sit all that well, but, you know, no real deal breakers. And one or two really good ones. So, yeah. And we got Pinsky. And we got Pinsky. We got a lot of Pinsky. By the way, I, I was going to bring this up early on, but, you know, just didn't get around to it because we were talking about... I think we, we went into a five-minute diatribe about how cool Adam Sandler was. Um, but the title of this, Little Girl in the Big Ten, the Big Ten refers to a number of universities in the United States that uh, make up the so-called Big Ten. My lovely and talented niece, um, Olivia, currently attends a Big Ten school in the United States, Penn State. She's uh, studying at Penn State. So, Wow, wait, what's she studying? Um, oh, that's a very good question. I think it's poli-sci, like political science, but that could, that could vary. I'm a bad uncle. I'm a bad uncle. I'm not paying attention. <laughs> but she went over on she went over on a tennis scholarship because she's a very good tennis player. So um, yeah, yeah, props to Olivia. Well than Olivia. Props to Olivia, my own little girl in the Big Ten. What did we learn, Palmer? All right, what'd you learn for the episode, Mister Davis? Um, that if you wanted to study gymnastics, you could do far worse than the Lugash method. He gets results. He's like McGonagall. He does get results. <laughs> <laughs> I learned that next time I lose something, the first place I'm looking is the tree. <laughs> Absolutely it is. From this day forward, your names will be... Alrighty, it is time for the Guy Davis New Name Championship. The current leaderboard stands at this. In third position, Philip Hawkins on 12. In second position, Josh Hedge on 15. And in first position on 17 points, Garode Harrahill. Take it away, Mr. Davis. Right, oh, one point this time around goes to Jack McCarthy with Ik Bin Ein Imposter. Ooh, well done, sir. Good stuff. Two points to Luke McKay. Luke, until further notice, until you actually get in touch and give me uh, the correct pronunciation, I'm going to go with McKay rather than Mackay. Luke McKay, <laughs> with a, a bit of a play on a Simpsons uh, classic. This time around, it's Lisa Goes to College. Oh, not bad. I like it. That, that works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Lisa Goes to College. Even though she doesn't actually go, she sneaks to college. She does, she does. But three points. Lisa Goes to College, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> three points to the triple-barreled name, Lewis Douglas Kavanaugh. Um, he gave us two good ones, I thought. They both plays on uh, existing movie titles. One was Legally Yellow, bit of a play on Legally Blonde. Ooh, very good. And would have been very like, topical in 2002, because I think the first one came out in 2001. That is correct, yeah. Um, and also, um, another play on a title, a little less known film, this one, but still one that, uh, that caught my eye. This one is Moaning Lisa Smiles. Ooh, that's also very good. These some put out some good stuff this week. Our man, LDC, um, I don't know if anyone calls you that, Lewis, but uh, that's what I'm going to call you from now on. Yeah, came up with a double-barreled hit of, uh, of good titles. Three points to that person. All right, so the leaderboard hasn't changed, although there were some great new names. So Phil Hawkins still in third on 12, Josh Hedge in second on 15, and Garode on top on 17. There is two episodes left this season. So can Garode be knocked off his perch? We shall find out. Javale! Javale is here! Ooh. All right, it is mailbag time, Mr. Davis. Have the questions come through thick and fast this week? Mm, there's a few. There's a few? Let's head over to the four-figure discount Patreon group which you get access to by being a four-figure discount patron. And we shall find the mailbag, and let's see what questions have been asked this week. Don't forget, if you've got a question for us as well and you're not a patron, you can also send them through to simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com, and we shall read them out for you. All right, so let's open up the mailbag here. First question comes from Harrison McClure. And Harrison says, if you were to go to uni slash college now, what do you think you would study? Well, I studied PR and marketing, which mm -hmm. at the time I had like no interest in, but then I quickly learned that I actually had a knack for it. So, and I, at the time I didn't feel like I was learning anything. I just sort of thought, hey, I've, I've, I've got this. Yeah. When I look back now, everything I do now with, when it comes to social marketing, I learned from uni. So it was worth going. Um, what would I want to do? I've always wanted to do some sort of like script writing. I think like being a, a com comedy script writer would be something I'd want to study. Well, there's all manner of online courses that you could do for that, Dando. Yeah, but who needs to uh, write comedy now when you can just get paid to uh, talk about it? Like you do. That's a, that's a very good point, and you too. Um, <laughs> my response to Harrison Troy McClure's question, look, I, I did go to uni for a while, studied arts. Honestly, if I had that time back, I don't know if I'd do 
I don't know if I'd forego uni for a while and maybe do an actual apprenticeship, but something where I'd learn to work with my hands or an actual sort of trade and learn how to do that properly. That's a fair point. I've always wanted to be able to put a, a nail into a wall. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to be able to sort of like, anything goes wrong with the plumbing. I'd like to be able to maybe stick my head under the sink and go, oh, okay, yeah, I could probably handle that myself. Or I don't think I'd do anything with electricity because that would kill me. But I'd like to be able to have a practical trade slash skill that I could fall back on. And then once you get that done and you're qualified and certified and all that kind of business, then maybe do a little more expansion of the mind on my own dime, on my own time as well. So I don't know. I'm always very jealous of people who can just you know, go and build a deck. Oh, fuck it's yeah. Like, oh, fuck, I'd love to have that fucking talent. Oh, know? absolutely. So much money in it. And it's it'd be such a fulfilling job as well. The finished product and putting all your effort into it. I think it'd be great. Yeah, that's a good that's a good uh good answer. Something something with your with your hands. Good answer. Hmm. Uh next question comes from Keith Nedham. From Keith, get him, net him. If you could have gone to uni, uh, would you have at a super young age? If you could have gone at a, at a young age? I think no. Uh, I guess so. If, you, if, you, if you've got the intellect and you want to do it, then why wouldn't you? Yeah, I don't think so. It depends how young you're talking. Certainly not Lisa's age, but even as a as like a, a mid-teen, you hear about um, super smart kids who are like, they attended Oxford at 12. I'm like... I know it gives you a bit of an a bit of a head start and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know. I think I would just feel strange if that was the case. I would I would certainly um, welcome the opportunity to maybe stick my head in a couple of classes and see how the whole process worked. I think I could spell the word Oxford when I was twelve. <laughs> you, you take the word ox and you take the the word Ford and you slap them together. So O X F O R W A R D is that right? That is correct, Ando. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I would. I did year twelve media studies in year ten. Best score in the whole the whole um, class. Smashed it. Loved it. I've always been big into media. Check out the big brain on Brendan. All right. Yeah, Mister La Dida, Mister French guy. <laughs> All right. What? Oh yeah. What's a, what's a million? What's a million plus a million, Dando? Uh, is it three million? So anyway, it's Ox- <laughs> It's Oxford. <laughs> Final question here comes from Andrew Pellicati. And Andrew says, What would be in your ideal Krusty Burger nostalgia meal? Well, for nostalgia for me, it's going to be a, a 90s thing. Maybe like a Tamagotchi or a, a Game Boy. It'd be an expensive fucking nostalgia meal oh, for a Game Boy. <laughs> I was about to say, they're throwing in Game Boys. Holy shit. <laughs> I, did, you had a Game Boy, I'm assuming, when you were a youngster. Mm, I never had a Game Boy color, though, and it really upset me. They were really good. I like Game Boys. I've still got my. I still play my Game Boy. Elliot plays my Game Boy now. It's, they're they're oh, for great, man. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah, I'd, I'd, how much time I blew on Tetris, I I couldn't tell you, but it was a lot. I used to have this thing which wasn't a Game Boy, but my dad got it from like his work or something. It was just one of those things you order through a catalog, and it was just all different versions of like Tetris. It was like a thousand and one games or whatever, but it was all like Tetris based. And my dad and I used to sit there for fucking hours playing this thing. I wish we still had it. I don't know where it is, but just the, the amount of, like you said, the amount of hours you can spend playing Tetris, it's such an addictive game, isn't it? Oh, very much so. This is a very good question from Andrew, Year of the Cat Pelicati. Um, and you've sparked, I, I initially had a couple of answers for what would be in my nostalgia bill, but now I'm thinking that if you're talking like Game Boys and, and that stuff from the 90s, I would have to go back into the mm. 80s and get these little things called game and watches. I've probably talked about them on the in on this podcast in the past. But you know yeah, what game and watches? They were called game and yep. watch, and they were basically like the game si- and watch. like the size of your tradition, your average mobile phone now. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Okay, it sort of looks like a, yeah, just like a little rectangle Game Boy. I, I I used to have a similar thing. So there's like a. They call it Tiger Electronics, and there's a Sonic the Hedgehog one I'm looking at here. But I used to have a Lion King one, yeah. just like a little handheld game. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. They initially started off; they were a bit sort of not cheap and nasty, but you know, they had I don't know a fairly simple game on them. But as they got more popular, you got these ones that were like flip phones. They were they closed up, and you could open up, and they had like double stories. And they had a Donkey Kong one, which again I blew so much time on. It was fantastic. Wow. Cool. Oh. And they were just all the rage. I can, I, can, I can imagine the idea of being able to take this game wherever you want to be and play it wherever you want to would have been just mind-boggling. In the oh, 80s. absolutely. 
You'd, you'd be sitting in class and you hear this beep, 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 beep. It's like, <laughs> you'll get that back <laughs> after <laughs> class. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the Donkey Kong one was just amazing. And uh, yeah, I really, really love it. So there'd be that. Or one thing I, that I remember getting in the 70s from mm. probably from Macca's were these Star Wars drinking glasses. I reckon I might have one of these. I've got a 1970s Empire Strikes Back. If it's still got the um, the actual Star Wars like decals in, on it, you've, you've kept it in very good condition because we, would, of course, would wash it after we'd drunk something out of it and it would get a little more faded every time you washed it. By the end, it was just a glass or with a little bit of a sort of painted smear on it. Like- but the one I've got is a McDonald's toy from the se- McDonald's glass from the 70s and it's Empire Strikes Back. or it's from the 80s, I guess, because it's 1980 when the film came out. Mm-hmm. It's got Empire Strikes Back, Boba Fett and Darth Vader on it. Okay, then. Hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a look online and see if I can find what these glasses actually look like because they were... Oh. <laughs> these were guys' personal glasses. Don't you drink out of it, my sister. You know, that's guys' glass. <laughs> so it's like, there's four of them. It's like, yeah, they're all for me. My favourite cup when I was a kid, there was two, I was two that I had, when it comes to glasses, and I've still got them here, and Elliot loves drinking out of it now because, by the way, one of Elliot's new favourite movies, Batman Forever. Fucking can't get enough of it. Loves it. Oh. Lo- loves, Two-Face, <laughs> loves Two-Face. Loves Riddler. It, Elliot oh, walks around there going, let's start this party with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> what a dope kid. That's brilliant. <laughs> uh, he makes me say it all the time. He loves it. And then he goes, Riddle be this, Riddle be that. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, he's, 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 he, he fucking loves Batman Forever. It's one of his. It's just his favorite thing at the moment. And um, what a dude. Anyway, so I got these Batman Forever glasses from Macca's from 1995, and it's they're all sort of stylized, so they're 3D based, and they're, they're really great glasses. Any kid who grew up in the 90s would know that. So I think that's something they could do. They could re-release old glasses like that, or just do like mm. 90s films or kids films from that, from that era, but do glass. Yeah cups out of it fucking people would be all about that mate 100% yeah for for the 30th anniversary absolutely you'd get uh, a new generation of kids who are into it and you get again a legion of comic book guys saying I'd like the Batman Forever glass with sugar and spice played by Drew Derrymore and Debbie Mazur please (laughs) (laughs) I completely forgot that Drew Barrymore was in that film (laughs) but yeah yeah, and the other cups that I liked they were from the mid 90s and they were all NBA stars. And my I had the Charles Barkley one. Now those cups where once you pour the drink in it, when they go cold, something appears on the cup. Oh, okay. Well, it's like what, what, we can get, get heat changing mugs. Well, these were like cold changing cups. And um, yeah, I, was, I, had the, I had the Charles Barkley NBA cup. I think anyone who went to Macca's as a kid in the '90s would have had those cups as well. That that was my favorite cup. That's the only cup I would ever drink out of the Charles Barkley McDonald's cup. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, but that is the mailbag for Little Girl in the Big Ten. Hope you guys enjoyed. Thanks for sticking around to the end. Next week, we're going to be reviewing The Frying Game, Mm. an episode that I remember annoying me, actually. So it should be very interesting next week to see how that one goes. Don't forget, only two episodes left in this season. So if you are a patron, you're listening now, and you want to get into the the new name leaderboard, make sure you do it because it's your last chance to join the wildcard prize draw because at the end of the season... The winner gets... Uh, I've decided the winner, Mr. Davis. I'm going to give him $200 cash. What? $200 cash to the winner of the new name leaderboard. And then $50 goes to the wildcard. So if you just get your name on the leaderboard at all during the season, you go into the wildcard draw. You don't have to win it. The winner gets 200 The wildcard is 50 And we'll draw that in the season wrap-up after we finish this season. So here's your last chance, guys, to try and get in. And be your patrons for as little as $1 per month you can get on board and join the Facebook group and be part of that. Don't forget, if you've got some questions for us and you're not patrons, just send them to simpsonsmailbag at gmail.com. Or if you've just got a, a comment you'd like to send to us, please do so. I'd love to hear from each and every single one of you. Don't forget to rate and review us in the iTunes store. Follow us on Twitter at FourFingerPod, at FourFingerDiscount on Instagram as well. But for now, Mr. Davis, any final words for those amazing listeners out there? Yes, indeed. You have been listening to Four Finger Discount, a podcast that's not just good, but pluck good. Shh.